0: Broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina, on Sports Byline USA, uniting sports fans everywhere. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. People want the authenticity, right? They want to know a little bit more. They don't want just the
1: cliches.
0: For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Uh, I'm thankful that God has delivered me and he's given me a mouthpiece to be able to, a platform as well to be able to share with different people. Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. When you're around somebody that has that joy and you can feel it and it's contagious.
1: Um, Every day I ask, you know, what does God have in store for me and how does he want to utilize me in this position that I hold?
0: Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson.
2: Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life. Thanks so much for being with us. You can check out our website, unpackingit.com, and while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and our daily devotional uh, that we send out through email. Uh, It's a quick thought about sports, faith, and life, and an encouragement for you each day. And so... Uh, definitely be sure to subscribe on our website, unpackingit.com. We've got an awesome show in store today. There's so much going on in sports right now. Every sport is is taking place. We, we just saw the uh, Boston Red Sox win the World Series, and so now we shift uh, to basketball and college basketball starting up this week. And, and of course, the NFL is, is in the mid, midway point of the season, and so so much going on there. And so today on the show... We're going to talk college basketball with Clark Kellogg, uh, CBS Sports, college basketball analyst, and then at the end of the show, we'll do our segment, Unpack This, about three quarterbacks who have made it back from injury and are playing as well, if not better, than they did before the injury. Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, and Carson Wentz, and so I want to talk about how they've been restored and, and how that relates to our own lives. And then coming up next, we'll do our segment, I'm Convinced. And I've got some thoughts on the Oakland Raiders, the Cleveland Browns, the Panthers, the Bucks, and Derrick Rose. So we've got so much to get to today. You can always email me, Bryce at UnpackingIt.com. Always love to hear from you, Bryce at UnpackingIt.com. Unpacking it continues on Sports Byline USA right after this.
0: More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It It with Bryce Johnson. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
2: Thanks so much for joining us today. We're a show that unpacks sports, faith and life. You can check out our website, unpackingit.com and be sure to subscribe to our email devotional and our podcast. It's time for our weekly segment that we call I'm convinced, where I take a look at the, the weekend sports and give you a few thoughts and opinions and let you know what I'm convinced of. So Let's start in the NFL, and I want to take a look at a few teams that that just have a lot going on, some good, some bad, and and we'll start in Oakland because I'm convinced the Raiders should not have gone through and are going through a total rebuild, whether it's been totally intentional or unintentional, we can all see that this is a disaster. Now, many teams go through a a rebuilding process, and, and you can see Glimmers of hope. You can see that they're building around a, a quarterback, or they've got cornerstone pieces on both sides of the ball that, that they're just trying to, to add to. And, and you, can, you can see that they're, they're playing hard and they're playing well and, and they're, they're in close games. That's not the case in Oakland, and we all know it. And Thursday night was an absolute embarrassment. And, and I, I'm bummed for a couple reasons. One, I love Derek Carr. I'm a huge fan of his, and he's been on the show, and, and I just appreciate what he stands for, and, and I think he's a really good player, and, and a couple years ago, remember, they were a playoff team, and then he got hurt. He hurt his back, and, and, and things have kind of unraveled since then, but, but I'm convinced that they never should have gotten rid of Jack Del Rio. I don't think that he was the problem. I just think that this team needed to make minor tweaks, not a rebuild. You don't you don't get rid of Amari Cooper. You don't get rid of Khalil Mack. And this seems to be the obvious uh, thought process because all of us fans and, and media members we're, we're all watching this unfold this year, and it's just not good in, in any way. Now, the other argument is, oh well, give John Gruden some time. He's trying to get his guys in there, and you know he's going to be there for ten years. There, there's just no way because. He's already lost this locker room. How is he going to get this back? He's been out of the NFL too long to to have the time to try to re rebuild and and, and regain the trust of players. He needed to come in and and take what was already there—a pretty solid Raiders team. Like they weren't awesome, but but I don't think they were that far away. They just needed some, you know, if you say, oh, they needed a new voice in the locker room, okay, that's fine, I'll give you that. So Gruden could come in with a new voice, but keep a lot of the same players. I, I just, this, this, is, this is one of those stories that, that we're like watching it happen, we're watching John Gruden on the sideline, we're watching him in press conferences, and, and you almost, you just feel sorry for him, and you feel like he doesn't understand what's really going on. And I give him credit for having so much hope but but I'm just convinced it, it just, it's just not going to work. It, it just, it's, it's, he's, he's unraveling things too much. You can tweak teams and, and rebuild a little bit, but to go all in where it, it, you've given up on this season and, and players don't want to play for you because you can see it out there. And I don't think it's all because they' they're not talented enough. They, they lack some key, see, uh, key players at key positions, and they've traded those guys away like Cooper and Mac. Uh, but I don't. I, I'm also convinced Derek Carr is not the problem. I, I don't think he is. Now I'm very frustrated because I started him on Thursday night as my fantasy quarterback because Carson Wentz was on a bye and the Eagles are on a buy. Uh, so I'm a little, <laughs> a little frustrated because of that uh, as well. But 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 I'm just convinced things aren't going to get any better this year. They're only going to get worse. And, and I think b- because they're going to get so bad. I just think it'll be too difficult to bring in free agents, and of course you can build through the draft, but it just that that takes a long time, and 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 if you you, you they have to decide about Derek Carr if he is their franchise quarterback, so it's just it's a really interesting and 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 such a mess. But but I'm still convinced they should not have gotten rid of Jack Del Rio. I I think he's an underrated coach. I think all that he did down in Jacksonville for all those years was was very solid considering that that roster, and I thought he was turning things around in Oakland. Uh, and they just they they cut bait too soon. All right, number two. Sorry, that was, that was a long one. I'm passionate about those Raiders. Uh, I'm convinced my Carolina Panthers Super Bowl pick is starting to look a lot better. Now, last week on the show, I talked about the Houston Texans because they've been on a roll. Well, now the Panthers, after last week's big win against the Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens came in with this top defense, and Carolina dominated from start to finish. And and normally Carolina has has not been that type of team where they're they're firing all cylinders and all aspects of the game are looking great. They, they've either started slow in games and and we've seen you know great fourth quarter comebacks from Cam Newton uh, and, and then key uh, field goal wins from Graham Gano and and all that sort of thing. But but to to win convincingly that that said a lot about this Panthers team and and I'm convinced that that Cam Newton has taken huge steps forward this year. And he's utilizing all the weapons around him. The, the Panthers were very strategic to get, to get players that, that were fast and, and, and you could use in different ways. And so we're seeing that with, with Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and, and then veterans like Greg Olson and, and Torrey Smith throughout the year. They've got the right mix of offensive weapons, and Cam is, is finding the right guy at the right time. Now, he still over, overthrows guys occasionally. Uh, But I'm convinced he's getting better, and 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 he can lead this team back to the Super Bowl. I'm I'm convinced of it. All right, we got to fly through these next ones. All right, I'm convinced the Tampa Bay Bucks need to stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick the rest of the season and move on from Jameis Winston. However, I'm also convinced another team should give Jameis a shot. The Dolphins, Broncos, Jaguars could all be options next season. And, and I, just, I just believe that the, the in and out of the lineup with, with Winston and Fitzpatrick, it, it just isn't working. And it's clear that the, the Bucks teammates aren't responding to Winston, and, and he just needs a fresh start. Now, he's made plenty of mistakes. A lot of this is his own fault, but I still think there, there is some talent there that you want to see uh, somewhere else. Maybe another coach can, can maximize Jameis Winston so I wouldn't totally write him off but but this year the Bucs they just got to move on they, they got to you know go for Fitzpatrick I don't think they'll win a lot of games and they there's gonna have to start over at quarterback and draft somebody in in the uh, in the offseason so uh, it's kind of a mess for for the Bucs at, at this point as well all right Th- this will sound totally obvious but but I'm convinced the Cleveland Browns must hire a proven head coach in the offseason the strategy of hiring former coordinators or former head coach with coaches with average records elsewhere it just isn't working, and so they've got to stop that now, part of it is that they can't always get the top head coaches, but I'm convinced at this stage with Baker mayfield and and they've shown glimpses of turning things around, I think they can bring in a legitimate head coach with a track record. And, and maybe it's a, a team like the Green Bay Packers who could move on from Mike McCarthy. He's won a Super Bowl, but he would be the, the kind of guy that I'm convinced could come in to Cleveland and, and, and be good. He needs, to, he needs a fresh start himself probably. And, and Green Bay, unless they somehow turn things around in, in a dramatic way this year, I think they're, they're kind of heading for a change. And so maybe it's somebody like him. McCarthy, who's a proven head coach, has to go to Cleveland. I don't necessarily believe that they should go the, the, the college head coaching route, uh, you know, trying to go get Dabo or Lincoln Riley or somebody like that, uh, I think that would be tough. But, but I think there might be a couple coaches out there that, that, they, that they can try to get their hands on and, and try to bring into that locker room. Because Hugh just, he lost the locker room. And it's unfortunate. Uh, but when you lose as much as they did, it's just too tough. All right, last one. I'm convinced that great players and former MVPs like Derrick Rose, Kobe, Tiger, Michael Phelps, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, and now we've seen Adrian Peterson, they all have one more big game in them, and, and so it was so cool to see Derrick Rose drop 50 points. It was incredible to see Adrian Peterson running all over the field in, in recent weeks. I mean, he's been playing extremely well, and and even though guys get injured, they get older, and maybe they can't do it consistently like they used to, but they all have a couple big games left in them, a couple big moments, and we've seen it over the years. Right when we want to write off Peyton Manning, he shows you that he can do something. Michael Phelps, we wrote him off. Tiger Woods, we did the same. Kobe dropped sixty points in his final game. There are special players that show you, hey, I still got it. So, so it was cool to see uh, Derrick Rose this past week. All right, that's what I'm convinced of this week. Let me know your thoughts, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Up next, we'll be joined by Clark Kellogg from CBS.
0: More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking it, it with Bryce Johnson. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
2: This is Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. We're unpacking sports, faith, and life. And college basketball returns this week. And so who better to join us today than Clark Kellogg? a CBS college basketball analyst and an analyst for the NBA 2K franchise. He played college basketball at Ohio State and in the NBA for the Indiana Pacers. He has a wife and three grown children. You can follow him on Twitter at Clark Kellogg CBS. We're excited to have him back on the show to talk basketball, faith, and family. Clark, thanks so much for being with us. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm Bryce. great to be with you, too, and anytime you can talk about those three things: faith, and family, and basketball. Um, I'm all in. I'm all in.
2: <laughs> we're we're gonna have some fun. So I, I appreciate it. And and of course, college basketball is returning. So it's a, a great time to talk with you. Uh, but before we jump into that, how has the off season been for you? And and what keeps you busy between March and November?
1: Well, it's been great. I love the seasonality of what I do, Bryce. God has given me a tremendous um, way to make a living. Um, after my playing career ended back in the mid-80s, I started doing some broadcasting for the Pacers on radio and Cleveland State on television, and that's mushroomed into a 3 decades plus year behind the microphone. And I love the seasonality of it. I go really hard during the hoop season, actually about a month or so before I start preparing. And you know, once the games start happening, we're going at it um, pretty much every weekend on assignments somewhere, and then obviously during... I'm watching as many as three, four games a day, preparing my um, handy-dandy book that I carry around. But the off season was great. Um, I always enjoy the time I get for some recreation through golf, time with my wife and things we're doing around our house and involved with a couple of sports ministries, FCA and Athletes in Action, and serving on the board of trustees for my alma mater, the Ohio State University. So I stay um, comfortably occupied off season it slows down from the pace of the basketball season but um, we get a chance to enjoy the downtime so i try to take advantage of that
2: wow that no that's cool that that sounds like a ton of fun and and you'll be uh getting going here quickly with with college basketball and so you, you mentioned that mentioned that little notebook what what does that look like what does that what does that mean that when you're watching games and adding to the notebook
1: Well, I actually take notes on every game that I watch, just in terms of player personnel. How do teams play? What styles of play do they employ? Um, For some of the teams that I'm not as familiar with, I like to know who the head coach is, perhaps assistants, Um, some of the players that are at the non power conference schools. I really enjoy watching teams from the um, less profile, the less followed conferences across the country. I mean, there's 30 plus college basketball conferences and I tend to watch um, quite a bit of those teams that may not be, I mean, everything is on television somewhere it seems, but <laughs> obviously we see a lot of the power five teams, a lot more, actually power six when you factor in the big East as well. So, um, but yeah, I really keep um just how did, you know, how did the game go? Who played well? Uh, how did they play well? Um, who was the player of the game in my eyes. Are there any players that I'd like to keep an eye on for the rest of this season or going forward? So it's usually just a little small 10 or 12-line assessment of what went on so that I can review it and go back to it during the course of the season. And I fill up a um, really small, um, almost like a um, journal-sized book with facts. Figures around the games I've watched, so it gets <laughs> it gets pretty <laughs> loaded. But by watching and then reading and writing it down, it helps me retain it much better. And you know, Bryce, I'm always thinking about the tournament as I'm preparing. Oh yeah, for um, games that I might call during the regular season. But obviously, when we get to that field of 68, I want to have a pretty good handle on those 68 teams that are going to be part of the field of uh, March Madness.
2: That's right. And, and so we, we rely on you and your information. And so, uh, so that's cool to hear. Clark, <laughs> Clark Kellogg, our guest right now on Unpacking It, uh, CBS College Basketball analyst. And, and of course, the, the games are, are getting going uh, this week. And so uh, for, for many fans, we're, we're excited about the return of, of college basketball. But then, of course, we have the, the fringe fans, and, and a lot of them don't start following it closely until March Madness. So, so what about mm-hmm. this season has you convinced that fans need to start watching right away in November?
1: Yeah, you know what? Quite honestly, there's so many great matchups at the beginning of the season. I mean, you've got the State Farm Classic in Indianapolis with Kansas and Michigan State, Duke and Kentucky. You've got the CBS Sports Classic, which will include Ohio State, UCLA, North Carolina, and Kentucky and Chicago. You've got the Crossroads Classic. Uh, in December as well with uh, the four Indiana schools Notre Dame Indiana Butler and Purdue uh, you've got the Maui Classic I mean there's just so much really good high quality competition taking place during the month of November and into December that uh, if you can break away from college and pro football you'll be <laughs> you'll be glad you'll be glad that you did and you know for those who aren't able to but that, that those are the reasons that you would jump into Watching And then there's nothing quite like the beginning of any season. There's always a level of excitement that you can't duplicate other than at the beginning of the season. So that's always exciting. But a ton of really um, good, high-quality matchups across the board um, through the month of November and into December.
2: Well, so uh, of course we we know the the Dukes and Carolinas and Kentuckys and, and Kansases, and, and a lot of those teams end up being – loaded with freshmen and, and highly touted yeah. guys that, that are coming in. Are, are there some returning players across the country that, that you're most excited to kind of see back and, and see how they kind of you know, grow and expand on what they did last year?
1: Yeah, there's a ton of those kind of guys around. I mean, you think about the run Kansas State had um, to the Elite Eight last year, and one of their best players, Dean Wade, was hurt near the end of the season. He came back and played some, but he wasn't 100%. And he and Barry Brown both are outstanding players returning from Kansas State. Xavier Sneed as well. Um, Florida's got a couple of seniors returning, Jalen Hudson and Kayvon Allen, Um, Jawan Morgan at Indiana. I mean, there's a ton of upperclassmen across the country as you look at rosters that you're excited to see come back and to see how they play in their junior and senior seasons you always have the injection of outstanding and highly touted first year players that create an awful lot of buzz have done so over the last really 15 years or so when um, we first had the rule with the NBA where you had to be 19 and one year removed from college to be eligible for the draft that kids that would perhaps consider jumping straight from high school to the pros coming to college for a year. So we've got a ton of those potential NBA-type talents that'll be first-year players in college basketball. And it's always kind of fun to see if they can live up to the hype, (laughs) they can meet those expectations. And uh, there are a number of outstanding first-year guys that are going to be excelling at perennial – power teams but also um, some of the teams that may be a tad below the well
2: that's right no it's gonna be fun to see and and can't wait for it to get going and and so one of the the other big storylines, just kind of picking up from last year's tournament is is just the fact that virginia which has been a top team the last few seasons and then of course they they lose to a 16 seed I, i read that that you're actually picking them to get back to or get to the final four and really bounce back uh after that tough loss why do you think that? And, and kind of what are your thoughts on that, that whole storyline just from last year and now heading into a fresh season?
1: The caveat is anytime you're trying to make projections in November for what's going to happen in March, you can have a little fun with it all. <laughs> I mean, quite honestly, I don't take myself too seriously. But there are some elements that I think bode well for Virginia. One, it's a terrific basketball program under the leadership of Tony Bennett and his staff for the last several years. I mean, they've been one of the outstanding programs during the regular season in the history of the sport for the last five or six years. Now, the tournament success has gone wanting. That doesn't change the quality of that program, and they've got really good talent. They've got upperclassmen returning. They've got a great coach, and I think they will be sufficiently motivated and galvanized by the pain of what happened last year. They won't linger there, mm. nor can you, but they won't dismiss it either because it's happened. It's the first time that it's happened. I don't know if we'll see it happen again, but there won't ever be another first time for a 16 to beat a one. Yeah. And so that clearly is part of Virginia's story and history. It's not an ideal part, but it is what it is. And I just think the makeup of that staff and Tony Bennett's leadership and the talent they have will give them a chance. Perhaps sometimes, you know, when the expectations are greatest you might not meet them. Yeah. When things have not gone as well as you want them to, that sometimes leads to things coming together in a better fashion. So that was part of my ration. Now they're good enough. They're certainly well coached enough. The um, sometimes your greatest successes come on the heels of your greatest disappointments.
2: Mm. Amen. I'm right there with you, I, and I think I think Bennett will get those those guys uh, bouncing back as well. So that's going to be fun to see them uh, get back into the tournament and and you know just remind people just how good they are and and move past that for sure. Clark Kellogg, our guest. yeah. Well, you
1: got to go through the regular season. You... It's been a regular season though, Bryce. But they've shown they
2: can do that at a high level. <laughs> well, I know. I guess some of these teams you just you, you always assume, but uh, but you're right. You got to get get through a tough ACC, and we, we know there's some up and coming teams in the ACC as well. Um, so yeah, there's no no guarantees for sure. But but Clark, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk faith and family, and and get some thoughts on what's been going on in your life recently. And so, really excited to have Clark Kellogg on Unpacking It today. You're listening right here on Sports Byline USA.
0: The place to hear athletes opening up about their true passions in life. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
2: Fantasy football is the best you compete with your friends and family all season long, and when you win, it's so exciting. I have won two rings myself, and as fun as fantasy football already is, what if we played with more purpose and meaning? Well, at Fantasy Football Fellowship, we created a way for you to have league meetings throughout the season to discuss how fantasy relates to our lives and the Bible. Each week, we have content, topics, and questions that allow fantasy owners to connect intentionally with each other and to God. We'll help your league have conversations about fantasy, faith, and life as you go from the draft to the championship. Play fantasy football and change your lives. Sign your league up today at fantasyfootballfellowship.com.
0: Going beyond the field, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA.
2: This is Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well as our weekday email devotional uh, that we send out, and it's a quick encouragement about sports, faith, and life, and so I encourage you to check that out on unpackingit.com. dot com right now we 're in the middle of a conversation with college basketball analyst for CBS Clark Kellogg, and we continue with him now and and clark we uh, we know that that faith is so important to you and, and you you're such a an outspoken uh, believer and and so even even to your uh, your point just now where you're talking about sometimes your your biggest success comes off. Uh, the heels of defeat, when when you look back at your life, are there some of those moments that that you can remember and and lean on where you've seen God work through the the disappointments that ended up leading to something even better?
1: Oh, clearly. I mean, uh, oftentimes in our own life's journey, there are certain things or circumstances that point us to a place of reevaluating our faith. I mean, I was not a Christian in 1980. Five, and I did not become a Christian until 1986 when I surrendered my heart and life to God through faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life through a personal relationship of faith with Jesus Christ who, who died for my sins and um, whom God raised to life after the third day and through whom you can have standing with God by faith. And it's a gift. So it was partly due to my knee injury that ended my career. That was one of the elements that moved me to a place of um, recognizing my need for a savior as a sinful man. And since then I've sought to walk in that relationship, but, uh, there were people in my life that had a relationship with Christ that oftentimes would challenge me about where I stood in my own personal relationship. Before I became a Christian, that was an element that led to my accepting Christ, uh, my wife's influence was part of that equation, my knee injury. Uh, Oftentimes, it's a combination of events or people that stir your heart to wonder about what God says about who you are and how you should live and who he should be in your life. And so um, clearly, I've seen evidence of God's hand, obviously, in my conversion to Christianity and my coming to faith, but even through the journey now, which is closing in on um, 32 years. It was November of 86 when I, my heart and life to Christ. And since then in marriage of 35 years and having three children born in 87, 89 and 91, and some of the challenges and trials and joys and blessings. And my wife and I, me and my wife's relationship, how that's continued to grow Um,
2: the blessing
1: of working in basketball and the capacity that I have, um, the disappointment of being part of the lead announced team for five years with Jim Nance and then being somewhat surprised by being asked to go back in the studio in 2013. Um, Those kinds of things all are part of the fabric uh, of one's journey. And sometimes they're really – Um, exhilarating highs that remind you of God's goodness. And other times it's through the difficulties that you're reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness, even in the the heartache of loss Mm. or the disappointment of your career going a different direction than you anticipated, or the stubbing of the toe of one of your children in a way that is off the beaten path and causes some heartache. So there are any number of of things that God uses, and all of it is useful. None of it is wasted. Wasted in, in God's economy.
2: Amen. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's a, an awesome perspective. And and also, just as a as a man of God, when when you interact with people and and when you look at society and culture, what what concerns you? And 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 is there a specific message or or perspective that you try to? to share with people, and just something that's that's really on your heart that you want want people to know?
1: Well, obviously, we're in a very, very um, unsettled and divisive climate across um, our country. Um, We see it with all types of incidents. Uh, You know, as we talked just recently, we're still feeling the effects of 11 Jewish Americans being um, tragically murdered in the um, Pittsburgh area at a Tree of Life synagogue. Uh, two African-American folks shot just because they're black down in Atlanta, mm. um, countless circumstances where we've had unarmed African-American males uh, shot by law enforcement. Uh, I mean, you go across the board. There's a ton to cause you to be sobered, to cause you to be concerned, to cause... Uh, I guess so. those things are very sobering Mm. and very concerning in terms of um, the lack of moral um, direction across leadership in many places in our country, the divisiveness, uh, the nastiness within our political arena. I mean, those are all things that are troublesome and um, concerning Uh, my posture. As a, as a Christ follower is simply to continue to surrender my life to the Lordship of, of Jesus Christ, to the uh, power of His Spirit and Word, and to live that by loving God and loving others. Mm. Uh, and you do that in a lot of different ways. You do that by making sure your relationship with God is in good order on a personal level. You do that by loving other people. You do that by Elevating the humanity of all, regardless of some differences at the very basic level, all of us are created by God. We can choose to become children of God through faith in Christ, but we're all created by God to reflect his image. And whatever our differences might be, um, there's tremendous power in uh, loving others and uh, being intentional about that and being intentional about unity, being intentional about seeking peace and the higher ground for the greater good, elevating other folks. So I tend to focus my heart on who Christ is and who God is in me through Christ and to live that out daily Mm. in the um, small details and in the big circumstances of the life that God gives me and to try to encourage other folks to do that. And to encourage folks to um, speak up for what's right, mm. and to speak out against what's wrong, and I want to make sure that I'm trying to do that um, in my own life as I try to encourage others to do that.
2: What a great word, Clark Kellogg, CBS college basketball analyst. Uh, really encouraging to uh, to hear that from from him today, and and I hope that that resonates with with people. And, and and Clark too. Just for for you uh, personally, what what has God been been doing in your life, and and what have you felt maybe uh, called to do, or or something that you you, you want to change personally, or or something that that you've been focusing on, uh, just personally as you follow Jesus.
1: Yeah, you know the the Bible says that we're to add to our faith, goodness to goodness, knowledge to knowledge, self control to self control, perseverance to perseverance. Godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness, love for if we possess those things in increasing measure, they keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of um, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so my desire is to continue to be growing, to allow God to work in me, to will and act according to His pleasure and to be more intentional about using my voice, speaking Mm. up to speaking up for those things that are right to speaking to folks about the, the love of God to speak about it, but also to, um, walk about it. And, um, when you do that, then you're, um, giving, giving God cause to call you his friend. Um, and it goes back to, to loving him and loving others. I'm on a quest for him helping me, me to become more, a reflective, you know, a reflection of his image in the earth. And it's uh, a journey that I'm never going to reach the full destination, but we're going to attempt to get closer and closer with each day and just really surrendering, Bryce. I mean, that ultimately is where it begins on a personal level to surrender all to the the Lordship and authority of, uh, of God through Christ, Um, talents, time, treasure, um, all that I am. Should uh, be under His authority and, and lordship and direction, and that's um, that's a choice, and that's a choice that I've made and want to be faithful in um, living out that choice.
2: Amen. What what a great example for for all of us. So appreciate that. And 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 last thought. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier making the transition from the uh, the sideline broadcasting to the. To the studio team and and of course we watch you all during March Madness and and you're a part of that you know that great team with Ernie Johnson, Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley and so what what has that process been like for you working alongside them especially since you know they're together all season and then you're kind of then a part of it with with them for for a month and so uh, what's that balance been yeah. like? And then, and then, of course, the, 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 the seriousness of, of covering college basketball with the unpredictability of Barkley. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> so. yeah. It's a wonderful journey, actually. You know, Greg Gumble is part of our group as well, and Seth Davis on occasion. But by and large, once we get beyond Selection Sunday, then I'm with Greg, Ernie, Kenny, and Charles. And we have a terrific time. There's great chemistry and rapport and respect among us. Uh, There's a great team that you all don't see as viewers that works with us that helps us to do what we do and to bring enjoyment and information to our um, coverage of the games. So I'm extremely happy to be doing what I'm doing with the people I'm doing it with. It's a lot of fun. It's predictable in many ways. But I hope and I feel as though we bring something of added value to the enjoyment Of those who are watching the game. Our desire is to serve um, the game um, and to serve the fans. And if we can do that at a high level, then we obviously are uh, checking the boxes of what our responsibility is, and we have fun in the process. So it takes time to establish chemistry with new folks, and I think we've gotten better each year that I've been in there with them, and um, I look very much forward to it every year. It's only a few weeks that we get to hang out together, but it's uh, well worth it. And according to the fans and our, uh, and our bosses, it's, it's, uh, it's working out pretty
2: well. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I love watching you guys and, and I watch inside the NBA all season for, for NBA. And then, to, to see you interacting yeah. with them. It's just a fun dynamic. I, I love it and I, I think you're right. It it has you know just improved over the years. You guys are more comfortable with each other and so it's a it's a real joy to yeah, to watch.
1: Well, I appreciate those comments. But yeah, we look forward to it and we are, as Charles like to say, we're not Solving any world problems, just, it's just basketball, y'all. So and we try, we try to keep it in that vein. Yeah,
2: that's right. Well, basketball is back, and and the NBA is already going, and now college basketball returns, and so we'll be uh, we'll be watching you, Clark, and and keep up the great work, and really appreciate uh, the 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 stand that you make for for being a follower of Jesus, and we appreciate you spending some time on unpacking it today.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Bryce. Great to visit with you. Um, outstanding job. Always good to catch up. And talk about those things that are real and important. And um, enjoy the conference season. It should be another uh,
2: entertaining journey to a championship. Can't wait. He's Clark Kellogg, CBS College Basketball Analyst, up next. We'll do our segment, Unpack This, about three quarterbacks who have been restored from injuries. And they're playing great. Their teams are doing well. And they look phenomenal. We'll talk about all three when we return on Unpacking It. Final segment is next.
0: Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this.
2: We're unpacking it. I'm Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. It's time for our final segment. We call it Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. So here we go. One of the biggest questions heading into the NFL season was how Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, and Carson Wentz would play after returning from their injuries. Would they be able to perform at a high level and play as well as they did before the injury? So far this season, all three players have reminded us of how talented they truly are. Watson has led the Texans to five straight wins, and it looks like he's healed well from his knee injury. Wentz has bounced back from a major knee injury as well to actually play even better this year. And then Andrew Luck has shown that his shoulder injury is behind him. And during his last five games, he's thrown three to four touchdowns each week. It appears his shoulder has been restored and he's back to being Andrew Luck again. As I think about these players going from being injured, broken and discouraged to now being restored, renewed and revived out on the field, I'm reminded of the spiritual parallel. We all go through seasons that leave us broken, disappointed, injured, worn out and beat up. And we need to be restored. Not only do we need to be ourselves again, but we need to come out even better than before. When we look at scripture and the character of God, we can see over and over again that he's a restorer. He takes people that are broken and heals them, renews them, and revives them. The Bible says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. It also says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Today, if we feel worn out, beat up, down, or injured, let's find our hope in the God of restoration, and let's trust he'll get us back out on the field to do the work he's called us to do. So I hope you're willing to unpack that. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show, you can email me, bryce at unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA.